It's Tuesday, December 22nd, 2020, and this is the Talk Film Society Podcast. I'm your host, Marcelo Pico, editor-in-chief of Talk Film Society and podcaster. I guess you could call me a podcaster. I'm here with another episode in my ongoing series on the films of 2020. Uh, on this episode, it's a little different from the last few episodes I've done uh, in this series, I have two guests on two separate segments, uh, back-to-back. Uh, first up, you'll hear uh, Sam Van Heren, uh, a host of uh, Can I Believe It, and co-host on another podcast I do uh, with him and a few other great people, uh, Going Home Steep. Uh, he's talking with me about Sound of Metal. Uh, and on the next segment, about 40 minutes in, uh, you'll hear Thomas Mariani uh, and I discussing Possessor. Uh, there are two great guests, and uh, I'm glad I got to talk to them about these two uh, very interesting, very good, some would say great, movies. Um, but yeah, uh, before I turn it to you know me talking to both of them separately, in two segments, uh, plugs for me... Uh, just go to talkfilmsociety.com, uh, listen to our other podcasts there. Uh, as I mentioned, Going Home Steep. Uh, so there's Dream a Little Deeper. There's Stephen Destroy, our new uh, Stephen Seagal podcast. Uh, Trek Film Society. Um, it Pod to Be You, Queer and Now, Sequels. I mean, uh, Monsters Never Die. These are all great podcasts you should be listening to. Check them out. Um, and also our Patreon, patreon.com slash talkfilmsociety. For bonus episodes, uh, you can hear all of Trek Film Society, the Star Trek podcast. Uh, all the episodes are on there. And uh, if you support us on the Patreon, you can a- have access to them. Listen to them all right away, and uh, you won't regret it, I promise. Uh, but yeah, uh, with that, um, I also say happy holidays. This is... Uh, releasing this episode right before Christmas and I just want to just say uh, be safe out there uh, and I hope uh, above everything else you're keeping uh, yourself and your family safe, your loved ones safe, so uh, be careful uh, f- from here through the foreseeable future, uh, but yes um, and thank you for listening uh, for those who've been listening week to week um, uh, I do it because I, I enjoy editing and recording these podcasts, talking to great people, and um, if you're out there enjoying it, uh, I, I, I'm I glad, so I, I, I'll keep doing it. That's it. It's uh, enough of me talking. Now listen to me talking uh, with two great people back-to-back. Uh, like I said, first up, here's me and Sam talking Sound of Metal, and then after that, it's Thomas and I discussing Possessor. Please enjoy. Hey, uh, <laughs> uh, I've done this how many times? A thousand times at this point. This may be my one thousandth time recording a podcast. Um, wow. Uh, no, I'm just joking. I don't even know. Uh, with me for this segment is Sam Van Heren. Hey, Sam. Hey, Marcel. How's it going? It's going great. It's going great. Um, it's, it's a busy Sunday for me. It's a three-segment recording day for me. Um, uh, and, and It's good. Uh, because I'm playing catch-up with movies. Um, yes. T- 2020 movies. 
Um, I'm, I'm I'm booking all these all these uh, recording sessions and catching up with 2020 movies because uh, it's part it's all part of my series that I'm doing for Talk from Society podcast. Uh, the films of 2020. And I'm excited to uh, listen to these because I have been seeing people starting to discuss the year and thing, and it's like a ton of movies. Not only that I haven't seen, but that I haven't even heard of because. It's been a year, so yeah, it's, I'm excited it's, to dive into those. It's one big reason why I'm doing this. It's because uh, 2020 has been a disaster for many reasons. Uh, one of them being uh, everything is just so disjointed. It's dispersed. You know, usually around this time in December, I'm going to see you know these Oscar contenders in the theater. You know, right. it, it, you know it. Uh, that's where they go in a theater and I go, Oh, I'm going to go see blankety blank, you know, in a theater. Uh, then after that, I see a matinee of, you know, whatever, but no, it's a, it's a bit harder this year to, I guess, uh, not only find movies that are exceptional, uh, but it's, you know, it's not, not that, that it's not that hard to find. It's just that you just tend to forget or you, well, yeah, you don't know. It's been, yeah. Yeah. And for me, it's been just, not having that energy to want to watch a new, maybe challenging movie, which is another unfortunate casualty of this year, you know, like that you're just, you want to go seek the, the comfort and the, uh, you know, for me, it's been hard to even just watch movies some days, which is heartbreaking, yeah. but it's, it's getting better though. It's getting, I'm getting better at it, which is good. There are so many factors to this um, that I, that's why I, I have this series to help me be a better movie watcher because I, I, I'm going through the same thing you are, Sam, and a lot of people are going through this, I'm sure. But and, and yeah, and for me, it's also improved recently where I've sat down because of this series, actually. I've sat down, watched these movies that I know I should watch, that I know are going to be great, um, but just finding the energy to, to say, hey, I'm gonna do this at home safely. I'm gonna watch something like what we're yes. what we're gonna be talking about now uh, for this segment. I'm gonna watch this movie, and I'm going to just you know you can't replicate the theater experience, but just put your put your mind in that space of like I'm going to enjoy this you know, for, for two hours and take my mind off the world. So yeah, it's finding that like peace. <laughs> That's hard to you know to come by nowadays, but but yeah, I was excited to to, to watch the movie we're gonna, we're gonna talk about here because it's been on my list for so long. Um, I think it premiered like last year at like uh, Toronto International Film Festival. Yeah, yeah, some of the festivals. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and it was I think it was bound to be like it, it is still like very much like an Oscar contender. It's it's one of those that I would go out like a Sunday afternoon and watch this movie in a theater and just be absolutely blown away. But, you know, luckily it's, it's, it's there for people to watch on Amazon prime. If you have Amazon prime, um, stay will just jump into it. What is the movie, uh, that we're talking about for this segment? So this is sound of metal, uh, drama film starring Riz Ahmed, who is one of my favorite actors of recent years. Uh, and this movie kind of came out of nowhere for me. Uh, I had heard about, uh, I think Riz was on 
some interview show and talking about the fact that he was uh, doing a film about uh, disability and about uh, hard rock and it's like on you know it's out of nowhere and really I saw it had the opportunity to watch a screener and uh, it blew me away yeah um, like like I said I, I've been hearing about this for some time um, and uh uh, it was a premise <laughs> you know one thing that hasn't changed actually in 2020 is i tend not to watch trailers for for much of anything really um sure like, well like the big movies like yeah if, if a star wars trailer premieres or if like a right. mcu trailer premieres i'll watch that but for like indie movies that are just i know i'm gonna see i just tend to just avoid those so like i knew the bare minimum of sound of metal i knew that riz Ahmed played a musician who lo- who loses his hearing uh, and right. that's that's essentially the core of the story, um, you know. But coming into the movie, and and we'll try to avoid spoilers as much as we can uh, for this. But I mean, that's the core of the story, and you get that sense of that story in the first like ten, fifteen minutes, right? Um, right. But what really surprised me at the end, uh, not only is Riz Ahmed just in, phenomenal in this, and he's he's, he's a surefire like nominee if not like winner for like best you know best actor the oscars next year um it's just how emotionally like god like it's just powerful this thing is and just it's not only yeah. that story about a musician losing his hearing and having to deal with that it's just so much more about just this individual and how he's dealing with just his life like addiction right. and I, relationships everything absolutely and uh, I tweeted after seeing it that, you know, trying to not be hyperbolic, but I said that it was the best film about disability that I'd ever seen. And I stand by that even more now, having seen it twice now. And it's just, part of that is, uh, so often films about disability, it's about how hard that disability is and how it affects the you know, you're and it's but you're. It's built around wanting to fix that disability. You know, wanting to. But in this, it's more much more about learning to accept your you know that disability and realizing that it's part of you, and that. Uh, and that's really what the, at the heart of the movie uh, is about is him coming to terms with accepting his disability and being learning to be happy with it yeah and realizing that that's that's his life now and to change it for it is some really interesting parallels between that and like uh the mind of an addict which is really fascinating and i can't wait to explore that more as i you know look into the film which is great yeah um because it's it's something and, and this is like I guess uh, I, I don't want to tiptoe around this. Let's just dive into it because there are countless movies that tend to show a, a, you know disability and they just malign it. They just they just botch it. You know they and and uh, th- that was a fear I had initially with this. Same. Yeah, and I was like, how are they going to handle it? How are they going to make it feel? You know, like it's not like you're you're cursed. You know that, that people who have you know who are deaf are suffering you know and a brilliant thing this movie does and i want to hear your thoughts about this sam is how 
for me, and it's it is a it is a worry. I mean, I, I I'll be honest. Like I I'm worried about you know losing a sense, um, you know whether it's like uh, being blind or being deaf. It's it's something that people are afraid of, and this handles that. I'll just say it in the first part of the movie, like a horror movie, like Riz Ahmed loses oh, his yeah, hearing. And, yeah, and and, and you, it was so subtly in this really incredible. Like the sound design is amazing. Yeah. Uh, for especially for a movie of this size, like the, it's you know the first scene is him going through his morning routine, and then when they cycle through that again, when his hearing is down, it's really incredible. Like just the way that they, uh, the sound is you know just gone, and how that would you know impact someone. Yeah. Uh, it's really well done. Yeah. Um, not to not to brag, but I recently bought a new pair of AirPods. Um, sorry, everybody, uh, but I wanted to treat myself, and they're on sale. But like, I I have heard people on Twitter recommend, uh, you know, people watch this with headphones, and I'm like, sure, whatever. <laughs> I kind of dismissed mm-hmm. it. But then when the movie, you know, uh, uh, gave us these like, uh, audible like the, these these soundscapes of of like uh Riz Ahmed's character like just not being able to hear and like hearing these muffles and just hearing these poundings and stuff like full volume those soundscapes are like this is the best use of sound of of any movie this past year for me um because it is just so distinct in just what like it puts you in that place of what Riz what his character what Reuben Stone his character is going through and about 10 minutes and I go, you know, screw this. I'm going to put on my headphones. I'm going to put on my AirPods and watch this movie. Um, and I recommend, I've, I've never said this about any other movie before, but if you, if you are comfortable wearing headphones while watching a movie, do it while watching this movie. Um, because you, it's, 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 I think it's a fuller experience because like no other movie I, I, I can think of puts you in that mindset of somebody who's going through this, who loses his hearing and you know later on just experiences like un- like other levels of this disability and right. yeah and what's so great about it is so often in these movies like again Riz Ahmed is not deaf but in the case of this movie it you, you need that because of the fact that he's going to progressive hearing loss right but every other deaf character hearing uh, impaired character in the film is uh, you know, uh, so which is great for representation, and again, the way he, uh, the way those characters are treated, is just incredibly empathetic, and just that they're fully embracing who they are with their disability, and that they don't think about it as a disability. They don't think about it's the way society makes those disabilities uh, be have limitations. But they don't see that for themselves, which is what's so powerful for me. Yeah, um, and yeah, like I was saying, like the first twenty minutes or so feel like a horror movie because you see this character going through this, and he's having, you know, what 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 any rational person uh, going through this like he's he's doing what morning. Yeah, he's he's like yeah, he's, a sense of morning. Yeah, yeah, he's he's going through this, and I would go through the same thing if I went through that too. Like just angry, frustrated. But then he, yeah, then he goes bargaining, to bargaining, yeah, yeah, he does all the, he goes through the stages of grief, which is, and Riz just does it so beautifully, and then, uh, yeah, really, you know, even in a great, better year, of, like a 
more full quote full year film, this would still be one of the great performances of the year. Yeah, absolutely. And then, um, and then it turns into, uh, you know, his. Oh, I'm not gonna say full acceptance, but leading towards acceptance of what of what this is when he goes to that community of also hearing impaired people, like like you're saying, Sam. Like the movie is filled with these people who are actually you know hearing impaired, who actually are 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 what they are, um, and he he learns sign language, he learns to deal with this loss of hearing, uh, 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 Riz's character. And yeah, that is touching. Like I loved every aspect of that because it just felt real, and you rarely get uh, that on screen. That sense of like these people who have this, uh, you know, this uh, inability to, to to hear, but they're dealing with it like humans, like should, like like they're dealing with it with it like like it is part of their 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 personality because that's that's what it is, and it's it's beautiful. Like when he deals with these people, these characters, and they're all going through this. And there are touches of beauty in there that really was like, oh wow, like uh, something I've never seen before on screen. Like the way he interacts with like these kids who are yeah, know, that was incredible impaired. to yeah. me. Yeah, that was for sure the most like emotional part of the film is that, and the way he like uh, the moments where he's going from complete, you know, like I don't want to be here, I hate this, uh, this makes me feel, you know, bad about myself, but then it's like. He sees the way these kids are, that they're just fully, you know, they're, they don't let it hold them back at all. If anything, it makes them feel more, you know, in touch with the world. The way he reacts to that is just incredibly touching. And I got a little nervous as the movie goes through because of, I was worried until basically the final scene that this was going to throw away that, uh, you know, the groundbreaking nature of its treatment of disability, but I was very happy with the gut punch in a good way. The ending I didn't expect, but I was very grateful for. Yeah, it, it it's. I won't the, give it away, but like, no, yeah, I yeah. Think, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Me neither, but it, it. I agree with you. It's it's such a powerful ending, and it's it's where it should have ended. And there is a sense of this is not giving away because I mean a lot of great movies do this too. There's a sense of ambiguity there. Yes. But still, there's that sense of like this character, like he's I don't know he's comfortable enough to do what he does, and he's learned something. You know I I don't know where he's gonna go next, but it's still a beautiful moment of realization that oh it, it it's gonna stick with me for a while. But yeah, let's let's go back to the rest of the cast because I want to touch on, um, like one certain supporting actor, which we'll talk about in a bit. But also Olivia uh, Olivia Cook is in this, who I yeah, love. she's great. Yep, she does really good. And I'll say work. that she, to me, she was unrecognizable until about thirty minutes, and I go, wait a second, that's Olivia Cook, <laughs> 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 which is which is funny because I think it's the eyebrows. Like she 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 is a musician with uh, Riz Ahmed, and they're both in a band. Um, she's like the lead singer. And I think, yeah, it's because of her eyebrows. She painted them blonde or something. But 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 by the end, like she again proves she's one of my favorite actresses working today, because it's Absolutely. it's a supporting role and she like pops in and out of the movie. But she's so pivotal, like because ah, this is something I'm gonna get into later. But she's pivotal to the movie because she's always like on you know Rubenstone's mind because she's a factor yeah. in like why he wants to. 
go to this community of, of hearing impaired people um, because they're both so dependent on each other and they both want what's best for each other. But there's a moment when like they both realize they can't be together at that one time. So yeah, so she's always like a shadow over over his character, and I think it works. You know, especially by the end, like her importance in the movie and her performance is is, is so good. Um, but I also want to touch on Paul Racy. I think that's how he pronounces his name. Who like blew me away in this because he is like the leader of this community. Who who he brings Riz Ahmed in. And um, yes. he in in the movie because I I looked it up he, like he's not deaf himself right Sam I think his his parents are, I don't, are deaf okay yeah I think that's what it is like he's uh, you know he he knows about the community and he's not deaf himself but he knows like the ins and outs of it because his parents were deaf um, right it's it's a it's a, it's a touching supporting role because it, it seemed like beyond for sure beyond the performance. It feels like he knows this world. It's a very real aspect of this movie, and right. And a, another yeah. part of uh, what's often in you know the tropes of disability in film is that either that it's like we talked about, it, like that it's a curse and that they're so sorry, you know, that they're pitied, uh, or there's the opposite where it's like they can't. They're they're saints, right? Like that they are these perfect people who are inspiration porn almost where yeah it doesn't do either of those in this it's very much they're just people with flaws and with hopes and with you know that they don't need to be it's not an inspiring film and it's not not trying to be that it's trying to be very real which is you know just another reason it hit me so hard i think yeah and and going to that point about addiction like i didn't realize this movie was played it, it, I didn't realize it played so much into addiction as well, and and um, I guess one thing I forgot to mention is like the community the, the community they're in, they're not only um, you know a hearing impaired you know deaf community, but they're also dealing with addiction themselves in this community, yes. and there are rules there for them about communication with the outside world. It's like it is like they're going through this rehabilitation. And, yeah, there's this moment where yeah, uh, that's probably the biggest the uh, most impactful scene is between. Uh, Riz Ahmed and Paul Racy that's just devastating like uh, where uh, you know Riz, Ruben's character Ruben Stone uh, had been you know been coming to terms with his disability and then he has this moment of you know almost withdrawal and uh, you know Racy does this moment where he says like you know you're act, you know you're the way you're talking to me is the way someone who's you know recovering from addiction has talked to me and it's a thing that I never put those you know two and two together before and the movie does that really struck me yeah and it's it's a powerful moment it's why I think uh, Paul Racy for me is like one of my favorite supporting actors one of my favorite performances of the year for that scene you're talking about Sam because oh god it's it it just feels so real and it's it puts it in a perspective that is crazy enough, like relatable to me, because it not only deals with, um, you know, dealing with and accepting a disability, but like addiction and also relationships. Because I, what yep. I find fascinating is that layer of relationship between uh, Riz Ahmed's character and Olivia Cook. It's like crazily codependent, 
it's dangerously yes. codependent. Which is before, yeah, something that happened. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, because he was dealing with, he's four years sober uh, when this starts to happen and then the way it like causes that almost relapse. Uh, yeah, and just that they, in the end, like, yeah, it's like, it's uh, it's really remarkable that like, that it goes there and handles it with such yeah. grace and with such uh, delicacy yeah. and feels real. Exactly, it feels real, and I don't want to give away like the end, but it almost feels like Olivia Cook's character Lou, her like she goes through through her own like uh, uh, um, like like spiritual discoveries like on yes. her own, yeah, but, uh, uh, as like Ruben was like dealing with his you know struggles, and that that could be its own movie, like what Lou's going through in in in, in the meantime in like France or whatever, like where, wherever she yep. ends up. Um, and yeah, it's it like you could take so much out of this, and it, you can connect with it in so many ways. But like one one way I connected with it is just that like how you know like you accept being with somebody for a reason that may not you know be healthy, right? <laughs> like like I'm with this person for this long because we need each other at this time, and then by the end of that road, you have to just find your own way right where i'm not yeah. gonna like if that relationship is gonna if it it's wonderful and beautiful that it helped each other to that point yeah but at the same time if it comes to the point where like i can't possibly do something that's gonna be good for me in the long run because i won't have this person at the second it's really yes yeah, quite something yeah it's sam i can't movie, remember a time i've seen a yeah a relationship quite handled quite like that yeah, it's it's something I didn't expect coming into this because it, it says so much about, like again, like disabilities and um, addiction and relationships. That I just didn't expect like having all that in this movie and oh, that self discovery of like it, it. You can't like force something on that on on somebody who they have to find it on themselves. Oh, it's it's beautiful. And I know, I know, not not a lot of people at this point have seen uh, Nomadland, but I I highly recommend if anybody ever does this to do this, if they have the ability to do this, do like a double feature of this and Nomadland, because they're both so profound in their own way. They're both about like discovering yourselves in like this like in in uh, in a landscape that is unfamiliar, and in in both very unique ways and also kind of similar ways. They're about like self-discovery, and oh, like I can't think of two more profound movies this year than those two, like this *Sound of Metal* and *Nomadland*, which I hope more people see eventually. I think is in it February. Available yet or is not it? yet? I, I was lucky enough to do a virtual screening, like ah. a, uh, the the f- uh, Lincoln Center in New York did a virtual screening, right. of, like for right. a week, and I was lucky enough to grab a ticket for that before it sold out. Um, but I'm, I'm hoping in February it'll be available like on VOD. I don't know, but it's uh, it's another beautiful mo- movie like this. I can make more c- uh, comparisons, but I'll just leave it at that. Um, they're both so profound in their own unique ways. Um, God, what else can we say about Sound of Metal? Uh, saying uh, it's, I'm struggling because I don't want to say, and it's not not really what we can spoil. But at the same time, it's like that uh, impact is kind of I risk saying more without you know spoiling a little bit of the power of the film but 
It's available on Amazon Prime. Definitely watch it. It's my favorite movie of the year. Yeah, there you go. And it's assuredly going to end up on my top ten. Um, I mean, I've I've spoiled it for for people now that because I I usually do my um, top tens with double features. That's how I. Oh, right. That's how I get away get away oh, yeah. um, from ranking things. I just yes. do double features. So yeah, Sound of Metal and Nomadland are gonna double feature in my top ten. That's 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 there you go. Spoiler alert for my top ten coming up. There's no way that's not gonna happen. By the way, because like those again, those two movies, ah, amazing. Um, for sure, gonna end up on on that list. Anyway, uh, but but before you go, Sam, I want to talk to you about this. I'm talking to every guest uh, on this series about this too. 2020, surviving 2020. We've talked about this though, like on other episodes of podcasts we've recorded over the past year. <laughs> you know, yes. but um, this will be the last time we talked before uh, the end of this, you know, series and the end of my 2020 series. Wanted to get your final thoughts on how you survived the year watching movies and uh, what other highlights there were for you um, uh, in 2020. So, like I, I mentioned a little earlier, that like it's been hard for me to watch a lot of movies this year. I've ended up just, you know, ended up rewatching a lot of TV or rewatching old favorites. But uh, really, just but the ones that I have seen have made a big, you know, impact on me and reminded me why movies are so, you know, precious to me. Is like, and if it didn't work up the energy to watch a new film. I was glad I did, even if I didn't like it. That's always a good, you know, that's that's almost a good feeling. It's like, uh, but yeah, so I just, I still, you know, still love movies. Still excited to get back in the theater when it's eventually safe. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm here. I through. I made it through. I don't yeah. know how I did it. I don't know. <laughs> America knows how we did it, but. Yeah, that's, that's that's another thing. I'm so glad we made it through. Uh, it's uh, we all have to congratulate ourselves that we actually made it through this year because uh, it's been hard for many reasons. Um, Sam, what other movies have you seen that were like jumped out at you? Like, oh, you know, this this is a bright spot in 2020. This is a movie of the year for me. Uh, so before things out of metal, it was a clear the best film I'd seen this year is. Uh, to Five Bloods with you know, Spike oh, Lee, yeah. and still it's up there in my firmly in my top five. Uh, just blew me away. I think it's probably one of the more important films of the year. Uh, Delroy Lindo probably gives the best supporting turn of the year for me. Uh, he's really incredible in that film, uh, and then. Probably the movie I liked watching the most this year in terms of just uh, endlessly rewatchable is uh, with Birds of Prey. Oh, yes. Yeah. Just probably the most fun I've had in watching a movie this year. Yeah, that I, I revisited that a few weeks ago for this show, and oh, it is it is so much fun. I, it's so colorful. Uh, I love the characters in it. I love the fact that Dudes got mad at it because it just featured women kicking people right. in the balls, you know, yes. at a constant rate. Uh, God, it's it's so good. And I just read this morning uh, that Mugarabi says there are no plans for Birds of Prey two, which is a goddamn shame. I'm still mad. That's sad. At people for not making that movie 
successful as it should have been. Um, damn, damn you all, damn you all. Uh, but I don't know. I, I'm still hopeful that you know we'll we'll, we'll get more of that. I mean, I, who knows? Maybe. Uh, uh, I can't think of the name. This the 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 Suicide Squad. Maybe yeah, maybe that'll be equally as fun. Uh, hopefully, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, and the yeah, and another uh, in terms of movies that most of my top ten are movies that everyone saw, everyone talked about. But uh, the Vast of Night is on my list. Oh yeah, as well. And that's one that I think is a little bit more under the radar. But again, it's actually great. More people have seen it probably because of. Uh, the quarantine and everything uh, than would have seen it otherwise which is kind of nice but at the same time I think it flew under the radar for sure and a film that definitely uh, knocked me out when I saw it oh absolutely I, I agree um, and I'm I'm going to be featuring that on this uh, series too Vast of Nights and I, I, got a, I got a chance to see that last year at a festival festival sweet uh, I went to the Overlook Fest in New Orleans. Oh, I think right. that's, yeah. that's where I saw it, like last summer, and that was a huge surprise for me because I I heard I think it had premiered like at Sundance or something. I don't know, and people were talking about like, hey, is this movie that blew me away? It's like a small little movie. I saw it and I was like, yeah, oh wow, wow I get it now. <laughs> that <laughs> there, opening shot is oh yeah, really something. It's so good, and it is not not to spoil it, and I'll go more depth about it later in this series. But yeah, it's it's such a great little sci-fi story, um, and yeah, I highly recommend it. It's on Prime right now, Amazon Prime, um, and I know there are people lucky enough to see it at, at the at the drive-in theater uh, this past year too. So um, I'm I'm mad I didn't get a chance to see that in the drive-in because that that would have been a good drive-in experience. Um, but yeah, and a movie that uh, no one has any opinions on whatsoever oh, no. uh, i liked tenet <laughs> you know we've talked about tenet before maybe i think on another show maybe that was off mic it might have been off mic but. Yeah, yeah but let's let's talk about it briefly here because i revisited tenet this past week because i had to I need, buy i'm it. gonna be doing that soon yeah i bought it on 4k blu-ray i saw it again and wouldn't you know it i still love it i love that movie and I said this on Twitter, and I'm not lying when I say this. I think I'm even more confused by it the third time around than like the first time around, which is insane. But that makes me excited, actually. But I, I, it, it's it's hard for me to even describe how much, like why I love it because it's just it's just so dense. Maybe it's like purposefully dense in in like exposition and narrative and what's going on. I mean, it's a very it's like again I've said this before where like if you're not on board with Nolan by this point. I frank I get it even, but for me it's like I just have bought so far into it, like what I just know that I like it, what he does, and even when it maybe bewilders me a little bit, like that's part of the reason. Yeah, I'm such a big fan. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, I I mean, I I love it because like, <laughs> and this is just me being like very broad about it, like. In, in what he attempts to do, or what he successfully pulls off, I'll say, in Dunkirk, like, in, a, in like, however long the movie is, 100 minutes, right? Narratively. Right. Like, he tries to do that in, like, a five-minute scene in Tenet. <laughs> like, the yeah. same sort of narrative craziness. Yep. Which I think, you know, 
Does it work on paper? Do I understand it? No, but I love I love the attempt, and I think it looks great. I think, and after after seeing all the behind the scenes stuff of how they shot, you know, those, uh, you know, reverse effects and all that, I I, I love it even more because it's just so crazy, and he went for it, and I th- I think by the end it's successful in its absurdity. <laughs> I love it. I Absolutely. do. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, and uh, and honestly, like, I'm looking forward to watching it. Again, because now that I know the general, you know, plotting of it, I can pay more attention to the way. That, like, because honestly, it hit me more emotionally at the end than I honestly had thought it would ever do, uh, which is great. But also, just John David Washington is just a great fucking action star in this movie. Oh yeah, like he Absolutely. just owns yeah. the screen. Yeah, um, and also I I dig Robert Pattinson a lot in it. Oh, yeah, they have a great yeah they're really they're, they're, their stuff yeah. is just again the emotional heart of the movie which is awesome yeah and, and there, there is a heart uh, I, I mean uh, I think I've seen some criticism saying this is like a cold movie Tenet is but yeah it, there's, there's a heart in there I, I think there is and I think the final message of it is is pretty powerful too so I think I think it works and I get it I get it that this is Nolan being Nolan, and people are just tired of it, I guess. Yeah, it's not, and it's not my favorite of his, no, by no, any no. means, but, like, I just love that. I, I wish it was a movie that didn't have the kind of cloud of yeah, the, the, fucking the, the weirdness baggage. that it has. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's got a lot of baggage, uh, because, yeah, this past summer, I mean, people, people have been saying these last few weeks that uh, Tenet killed theaters because look what happened to Warner Brothers and HBO Max but anyway uh, listen to me talk more about that on the Soderbergh 2828 episode with Let yes. Them All Talk <laughs> <laughs> another, another great movie Let Them All Talk have you seen that yet Sam? I have I enjoyed that very much yeah it's very good it's very good uh, spoiler alert that'll make my top 10 assuredly Soderbergh on um, top 10 yeah I know that's crazy right? what? get crazy. out of here get out of here um, speaking of getting out of here, we should get out of here. Sam, this was fun, as always. Yes, thank you uh, very much for having me. Great time about Watch Sound of Metal, everyone. Yes, yeah, again, Sound of Metal. It's on Amazon Prime. If you have Amazon, if you have Amazon Prime, it's on, on, on Amazon Prime. I'm sure if you're against Amazon, fair. I'm sure it'll be on, like, um, you know, Blu-ray eventually. And do, do they do VLD? I'm sure they do. I don't know. I mean... For uh, what? For yeah, for sound of metal, does Amazon oh, Prime do I'm VOD? I'm not sure. That's, that's, I don't that's know how that works. Of, I've never thought about that, but okay. they, they they have Blu-ray releases, so who doesn't yeah. have Prime though? Um, I mean, uh, <laughs> if if somebody refuses to have Prime for very oh, obvious yes. reasons of the evil yes, of yes, Amazon, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, hopefully, but you'll, if you do, yeah. if you put up with their evil enough for two-day shipping, watch the movie. <laughs> I say that while having ordered a last-minute Christmas present from them <laughs> this morning, so uh, I, I, I apologize. Uh, but yeah, Sound of Metal on Amazon Prime. Uh, before I go, Sam, plugs. Where can people listening find you online? You can find me at SamShot first on Twitter, uh, and you can follow Keanu Believe It, which I swear there will be new episodes <laughs> coming up the first week of the year. I promise. There you go. That's the promise of Sam Van Heeren. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that, again, thanks, Sam. This is fun. Thank you. Uh, 
uh, with me here for another segment uh, on the Talk Film Society podcast is Thomas Mariani. Hello, Thomas. Hello, Marcelo. Uh, nice to nice to be here. I'm excited to talk about this fun family feature. <laughs> I mean, uh, if there was a theme for 2020 movies, it's like it's fun for the whole family. That's what we're finding out. Uh, you know, I joke. Uh, I was talking to you off mic about because uh, I'm not exactly sure what's what this is going to be paired with. It might be paired with uh, either Duffy Bloods or like Wolf Walkers or Sound of Metal. Um, one of those is a family movie, <laughs> you know. But this. <laughs> Assuredly, is not. Going to make that clear. Do not listen to this uh, episode with your kids, folks. Do not watch this film with your kids. Um, although there is an R-rated cut, so maybe you can show that to them. But the R- the unrated cut of this, for sure, no. Do not, for the love of God. Um, before we actually talk about what we're here to talk about, I mean, Thomas, um, thank you for having me on your podcast. Uh, that was a fun time. Uh, I, I mean, um, and this is like... I guess I I want to talk about this now because what I admire about you, Thomas, is that uh, you've got things planned out for your podcast in terms of double features, right? You're like, like this week we'll talk about this movie and these two movies together. You know, you have an overall theme. Uh, I'm just flying by the seat of my pants with this series. Like, <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, uh, um, I'm trying to highlight 2020 movies as my overall theme. But what I find interesting about your show is like uh, you actually give thought to the movies that are paired together. So I I I I, I admire that for you. And I normally I, I talk about this after the movie, but since I'm this since this is on my mind, Thomas, I'm gonna talk to you about this now, and this will roll into okay. our main topic. Like I love that you have that podcast where like you dedicate yourself to watching these movies, like for your shows. But beyond that, how have you been uh, uh, handling 2020? Because, hey, it's a weird year. We can all agree on that. Like, how has your movie watching been over these last few months? Well, yeah, as you mentioned, I spent a lot of it doing Double Edge Double Bill is the name of the show Marcel is referring to, which he was a guest on for a Peter Jackson episode. Uh, But me in general, it's obviously been very weird. I remember the last movie I saw in the theater was Onward, the Pixar movie. And it was like right before everything fell apart. Um, And I was one of very few people there. And I was wondering, should I be here? Is this a safe thing to do? Maybe? I don't know. Um, and then everything crashed apart. And, um, I mean, that's been a bummer just because, like, I've gone to the drive-in a couple times. And most of the time I've enjoyed it. Aside from, like, say, the tenant screening I had, which was at the Rundown Drive-In that's in oh. town. That's, like, been around since I was a kid and has not has seen far better days. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I've mostly seen, like, revival stuff, though. Or I've seen a couple of new releases, like even Freaky, which was great at the drive-in. And worked hey. really well. I just mentioned this in another segment um, just today. Uh, I saw Freaky at the drive-in, and that was one of my favorite experiences at that drive-in because uh, I've been there a few times, and yeah, it's like hit or miss. Um, I mean, I do, I did love seeing Tenant, but seeing Tenant at the drive-in was a weird experience. So I'm glad I got to see it again at home. Uh, but no, Freaky mm-hmm. was like. Uh, a good surprise for me. I knew I was going to like it, but I liked it a lot more than I than I thought I would. And that experience seeing it at the drive-in was pretty cool. So, yeah, I, I totally hear you. Um, and it's great that you have a drive-in to go to, or you know, uh, because yeah, uh, the act of getting out of my home uh, safely is something I cherish nowadays. <laughs> um, That's true. Yeah, every like two weeks when I do the grocery store trip, it's 
it's like a heist mission almost. Just like I gotta ah. get around as quickly as possible yeah. <laughs> around people, especially I'm here in Florida, so um, Ooh, yeah. it's crazy. The mask wearing, especially, <laughs> just is like a wild west out here for that. Um, but I mean, it's also just been a bummer, just in, even with the movie stuff specifically. Like obviously, all of it's a bummer. But the biggest like sort of movie related thing I had to do, I had to cancel my AMC stub so I didn't get charged again, and that felt like quite frankly putting down a pet. Oh yeah, I just felt so bummed about that. Just like, oh god, I'm so sorry, <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's unfortunate. Um, but you know, hopefully there's a light at the end of the tunnel and we get to go in theaters again sooner rather than later. Uh, I I I keep telling myself this time next year, I, I I'm hoping to, at this point, you know, have been back to movie theater safely because I I I, I didn't cancel my AMC stubs. Or a-, a list, whatever it is, subscription because they paused it. They they, they were initially going to charge me in November, and then they're like, you know what? Let's do March. <laughs> but even March, I don't think is going to be safe enough yet. I'm hoping no. by by summer, you know, maybe, you know, people like me will get the vaccine. Maybe you'll get the vaccine soon enough. You know, by summer, hopefully, maybe f- maybe beginning of fall. Who knows? But yeah, it's going to be a while. It's going to be a few months, and it, it, it it's a big reason why I'm doing this series is to not only catch up myself with movies, you know, um, I, I need to see for 2020 because I always, I have that, I have that compulsion to make a top 10 list and to have a say in terms of like, does that movie deserve like 10 Oscar nominations? I don't know. I've never seen it. I, uh, but I always do eventually see it. So yes, crossing off that list of movies I need to see. And also for people to listen back to this and say, Hey, you know, that's that's a movie I, I I may have missed because it was in theaters and now it's on VOD or I didn't even know it's on VOD. I don't even know what streaming service it's on. So all of that I'm trying just to make, you know, easier for people who are, who are listening along too. So, um, which leads us to this movie. Uh, Thomas, uh, what movie did you end up choosing to talk about, uh, you know, for, uh, under this theme of 2020 movies? Um, well, I picked a movie called Possessor, uh, which is directed by Brandon Cronenberg, who, if you recognize the surname, is the son of David Cronenberg. Um, and it's a film that stars Andrea Riceborough, um, who you have probably seen a lot of movies and didn't recognize because she's a chameleon of an actress, as yeah. I'm sure we'll talk about as we continue. Um, and I guess just basically, it's a story about a woman who is part of this uh, sort of secret uh, company that basically has this like sort of VR connective tissue technology that connects them to uh, people who they can possess basically and use those bodies of these uh, unsuspecting people to assassinate. And uh, in this case, Andrea, after an opening mission has to go through another mission where she has to kill a big uh, data mining tycoon and uh, his daughter while disguised as the daughter's kind of shithole boyfriend. And, uh, Things go pretty messed up from there. <laughs> yeah, that's an understatement. <laughs> um, uh, so th- I, I want to talk about this um, uh, uh, kind of weird release of this movie. I, I say it's weird from my perspective because for a while there, um, I was worried that I would never get to see this uh, period or at least like this year because I was like, it, it was one of those movies that was always on the edge of like, is this coming out this year? They're pushing it back. Oh, it's being released in theaters for like uh, once at Fantastic Fest. 
at a mm-hmm. at a in person screening, and I'm like, I'm not going to that. <laughs> I'm not going to risk my life to see Possessor as much as I want to see it in, in a theater. And then eventually, yeah, it did have a release in theaters for a while, and then eventually it hit VOD, which is where I saw it. Like as soon as it was on iTunes, like for ten bucks, I'm like, yes, picked it up a few weeks ago. Excuse me, a few weeks ago, saw it, and yeah, now I'm here talking about it. Like Thomas, talk to me about. Like, uh, your anticipation for it, like, like maybe when you first heard about it and you eventually seeing it and where you saw it. Uh, well, I saw it at home spoilers, um, as I'm sure most people will be <laughs> yeah. seeing this movie in that way. But, um, I was curious about this just cause of sort of the pedigree. I'm a big David Cronenberg fan on our show earlier in October. We did a David Cronenberg double feature. I went through a bunch of his movies recently and I was very curious cause Cronenberg himself, David has not made a film since 2014. Oh, yeah. So I was kind of curious to see if like he uh, his son could kind of take up the mantle. Um, I hadn't seen until actually earlier today his first film, Antiviral, which I don't know if you've been aware of that or seen that, the Cale Landry Jones movie. I have not seen it um, yet. Yeah, it's it's basically a movie about sort of like celebrity culture vis-a-vis like people become obsessed with celebrities and decide to inject themselves with strains of diseases that the celebrities had previously got just to have some kind of connection. Oh, wow. It's um It's an interesting idea. Um, I think it feels very much like a first feature, and especially in sort of like the way it world builds, it's a lot more kind of holding your hand. And so um, even without that expectation of the first movie kind of being all right, I was still curious, like, what's this going to be? And all I knew, really knew about this movie going in was the Brandon Cronenberg connection and uh, the image on the poster of the mask, sort of the haunting, upsetting image. And I was like, yeah, I don't know much, but I'm really excited and curious to see it. I've heard interesting reviews for it. Uh, and then I watched it. Um... And I was uh, very pleasantly upset by it, I guess is the best <laughs> way to s- describe it. Because, like, my sort of introduction, especially to podcasting and writing, was I used to do a lot of horror movie stuff. Oh, okay. Um, for, like, a solid five years or so, I was, like, a horror movie podcaster, writer for reviews. I mainly focused on that genre. And, you know, in the last couple of years since I started Double Edge, Double Bill, I've still been a fan of the horror genre. But I, I haven't gone quite as deeply in because after a certain point when I was doing that I kind of felt hey am I a bit desensitized is like blood shocking to me anymore um and then Brandon Cronenberg took a crowbar to my head and said yep it can be and boy <laughs> did it because there are just there was one specific scene we'll get into that is one of the most disturbing things I think I've ever seen in a movie in terms of violence but at the same time there's still a really great like sci-fi conceit around all this and really well-told story and phenomenal performances so it's uh i kind of describe it as like basically imagine a christopher nolan movie but with less exposition and more <laughs> ultra violence yeah that's that's a good way of putting it um and hey i i'm a huge fan of tenet but i just imagine you know uh christopher nolan trying to do this premise and i'm like well be like 30 minutes longer <laughs> more more <laughs> exposition more people talking um maybe not as bloody <laughs> but uh, yeah that's that's one thing i want to talk about also here up top is the violence because one thing that uh was uh in um that kind of drew me to this was yes like people who i follow on twitter and people who i respect they're like yes this is a great movie you should definitely see it and but i was like when i don't know where uh but then when i did you know see it in the lead up to that um there uh, and neon the, the the production company who released this who also released like parasite last year they got the oscar for that <laughs> Um, they were touting this like unrated cut. Uh, I think it, I think on some posters or like in some campaign materials called Possessor unrated, right? That was like the big deal. Um, so I was like, you know, how 
bad can it like how violent or how gross can this unrated cut be it's pretty it's it's the most disturbing bloody movie i've seen in a long time um and that's saying a lot because i i'm not a big horror guy i do love horror but it's I, I'm not, when I say I'm not a big horror guy, I just mean I don't jump to it as like uh, enthusiastically as other people. I do love it when I do see mm-hmm. it. But just me, just having seen as much violence as I have on, on screen, the much horror. I mean, on your podcast, I talked about like uh, uh, Brain Dead, and like that's one of the you know uh, bloodiest movies I've ever seen. But this is like, this takes it up a notch, I think. <laughs> right, and also Brain Dead is like a cartoon as opposed yeah, to this movie has this... like no levity at all. <laughs> <laughs> Um. Yeah, yeah. How do we even dive into this? Because oh, I also want to say like I, I kind of went into it kind of blind. I read a review. Well, actually, I edited it every review for Talk from Society. Uh, 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 Hannah Holloway wrote a review for this, um, and so that's where I got most of my general information or pro- the plot synopsis I, I, I understood uh, before mm-hmm. watching it. But other than that, I didn't see a trailer. I, that poster, that imagery is like still like stuck in my brain of uh of that mask um because if you don't know anything about possessor i'm sure you've seen that image folks um but yeah uh, thomas talk about let's stick into that violence because it is one thing that it might be the one thing that sticks out to me about this movie is that violence just how and it does uh uh, factor into the plot and uh uh and riceboro's characters uh motivations is that violence uh, talk about how that violence is portrayed in this in this movie well i i agree i think that's what makes it work is because like as somebody who's like an enthusiast for the horror genre i'm still at the same time not usually a big fan of like movies that usually do gore for the sake of gore like i know a lot of horror fans like some like say terrifier which is the movie with like the clown and has some of the most like upsetting disturbing like torture horror scenes i've seen but that kind of stuff is what kind of averted me from like some of the bigger like horror gore hound kind of movies because it's just like it feels excessive just for like the sake of doing it. There's no real reasoning. It's just kind of this nihilism that feels weirdly childish. It feels like it's uh, done by like a 14 year old edge lord kind of thing. <laughs> um, as a, as opposed to Possessor, I think what works about it so much is that it just shows you how detached Andrea Riseborough's character has become by this point and how much of that is really manipulated by the fact that she's grown less and less attached to her family with her, her husband and her young son. Um, and how, whenever she goes over there, she has to like prepare statements basically that are like very average social cues for anybody else. And she feels so much more comfortable stabbing people inside of another person's body and other stuff like that. It feels like it's just this way to fully illustrate, like, this person is totally gone. And, like, any kind of humanity that's there is very absent. And I think it's very necessary, despite how very graphic it can be. I'm sure that theatrical cut you're talking about that was edited, which I don't know if is available at Han Home Video or not. Yeah, the, I'm the, sure like that. The, the iTunes version, sorry, I have does have the already cut as like a bonus feature. I have not seen it, but I can just only imagine what they cut out. Like, I, I, I'm sure it's like much tamer the, the violence and there's also some <laughs> sex scenes. But yeah, it's 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 out there on iTunes for sure. Okay, but uh, yeah, I haven't seen that version either. I'd be curious to see it just because I'm like, okay, how do you kind of cut around some of these things, and how does that also kind of work for? the Riseboro character if you don't quite see that violence there. Um, but I think that in the uncut version, um, I still think that really works. I don't know if you agree with that. Uh, the violence? I mean, again, like I say, it's like, it's the thing that stuck with me, is that violence. And 
especially uh, that scene you're talking about before. And I don't want to give away huge spoilers, but the mm-hmm. scene that you uh, that you mentioned that was like like, in- like extremely intense. Like, uh, um, does that scene have to do with um, an eyeball? <laughs> um, yes, it uh, an eyeball, yeah. some teeth, some other things. Yes, yes. So, to me, um, I think. Uh, I'm. Uh, this is going to be a weird, weird statement. I'm glad that's in this movie because of everything we just said about Riceboro's character. Because what's fascinating about uh, her character is, yeah, it's that loss of like humanity, um, of just like her not being in touch with, I guess, being being human because she she goes through this uh, um, like out of body experience every time she does an assassination. She jumps into somebody else's body. It's like quantum leap for for those who want like a clear cut you know comparison. <laughs> you know, she jumps into another body and she performs these uh, uh, these these murders, right? And oh. I want to talk about this also. This um, the first, like I guess you could call it the cold open of the movie, which feels itself like a short film, and encapsulates the plot so well—not the plot, but the, the premise of the movie so well, um, of like body jumping into this other body. I in that in those like uh, first uh, minutes of the movie, you get a sense of what this movie is, and of Riceboro's character and that violence, because even that death. This is not giving anything away. Is brutal. <laughs> There's like. Knife yes. play involved. There's like I don't know how many times she stabs this guy. Like uh, what? What? While she's in another body. Yeah, it's 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 gruesome and rightfully so. I think it works. I think it's much. It, it, I don't think possessor would be possessor without that extreme violence, um, which is saying a lot because it's it, again it's 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 Cronenberg. It's his you know uh, that lineage uh, is known for that extreme violence, and I think. This Cronenberg, uh, uh, Brandon Cronenberg, I think he does it well enough taking that mantle, uh, which is which is crazy because now, yeah, like you were saying before, Thomas, uh, David Cronenberg hasn't directed a movie in, what, like six years? Um, but I'm, I'm happy there's another Cronenberg doing this sort of like sci-fi, hyper-violent cinema that uh, reminds me of like Cronenberg's best stuff. Like you do a double feature with this and um, video drone and it would be perfect. Uh, so yeah. So yes, well, I will say also what I like about it though, is that it doesn't feel like he's just copying his father. Either. Oh yeah. Like it's yeah. a distinctive stamp at yeah. the same time. It feels also, especially very sort of like newer age. Like I, I've heard apparently this movie takes place in like an alternative version of, version of 2008, which I found interesting oh, as interesting. like a setting. <laughs> Because um, it almost feels like it could be just uh, a step in the future. It doesn't feel like the very distant future whatsoever. Because of like the stuff that the technology feels like, okay, this feels like it could be the next step in like our modern VR. Um, but in a way where it, you show, you see how it like, assimilates not just like with this assassination company, but also even like the data mining company and all that other stuff. And how you see how like these sort of drones are mining data with like webcams and stuff, seeing people's uh, inner, inner circles. It's a very smart movie about just like how we're not, probably not too far away from this kind of like weirdly um, very personal perspective POV, but while also being so extremely distant. Yeah. Again, it's that distance, that uh, disconnection with humanity that's uh, frankly just connected with me. <laughs> not, not, not to the extent of Riceboro's character <laughs> being a cool I'm going to say like, I'm not, I'm going to no, say no. far away from you. <laughs> <laughs> but just the, the sense that, and yeah, it, it does play like you're saying, Thomas, into that, into that, into this current era and how our technology affects us. 
Um, and yeah, we're not too far off from uh, disconnecting so much that we just lose part of ourselves in the process. Um, and yeah, uh, the fact that, like you were saying, this takes place in an alternate 2008 kind of makes complete sense to me. Because um, it is like, it's it does feel like low tech in a in a high tech sort of way if that makes any sense like like there's there, it's not like the future it's not minority report you know it's still very it still very feels like it's it very much feels like uh a grounded sci-fi uh experience um but then this is uh, we should talk about this too the psychedelic uh imagery like the 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 special effects and that it talk about that thomas how that's is is how that factors into the movie because that whole mindscape that riceboro goes to once she jumps into uh colin tate that's her you know the body she possesses um that stuff is is also something that strikes me as like 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 some of the best visual some of the best visuals period for for this past year talk about that well, I found out one just in doing research for the show that that was mostly practical, oh, yeah. which is like so great to hear. Um, but yeah, it's just this sort of like trippy imagery that works for just kind of like the conveying the very weird concept of like, hey, you're jumping into somebody else's body. And it's like, oh, you see like all these flashes that are kind of like basically her and Christopher Abbott, who plays uh, the Colin character, like their faces kind of melding and also them, especially this bit where they kind of uh, Andrea Riceboro melts away like wax, and then you see Chris Rabbit kind of reassemble with wax as sort of like a way of indicating like one's downloading into the other. It's such a great way of conveying what could have been conveyed on like, oh, look, here's a fucking computer screen like processing 90% Andrea inside of Christopher Rabbit. Like, you could have done it so simply, but Cronenberg uh, decides to do it in this weird psychedelic way. It also kind of acts as a teaser for, as things go on, these two characters are kind of melding in the minds a bit more. There's a bit of a, a dissociative identity kind of thing going on where we're not sure who is in control at any moment as things keep going. Oh, yeah, and um, there's, like, striking sequences. Um, I mean, this is not a huge... Uh, um, spoiler, but like instances when like uh, Colin Tate, like Christopher Abbott's character, you know, has sex with like his girlfriend, and <laughs> uh, Riceboro is in his body. That sequence in particular, that's also gonna stay with me because it's just it's just like something you you wonder about like when you do like a a a a, a body jumping movie. Uh, we were just talking about Freaky. <laughs> uh, th- actually, this yeah, this and Freaky would also make a good double feature. Um, but I do love when I guess my point is when you do that body switching. There are instances when like yeah, like how is this person going to react when they're in another person's body? And I think that sequence in particular, the sex scene. Yeah, I'm I'm I am uh, uh, satisfied with how they handle this because <laughs> it is just a a weird. Uh, insane uh, uh, um, like premise to begin with but the way they pulled it off is like oh that's crazy as shit but I dig it Um, but yeah Thomas talk about more um, instances like that like because I know about halfway through not to give it all away but um, Riceberg kind of loses control when she's in that body Uh, and Christopher Abbott I I, want to say like also gives a great performance as mm-hmm. Colin Tate and as you know Andrew Riseborough in his body, but yeah, talk, talk more about this, how this film progresses and how that blending of these two people like goes for them. 
What I really dug about it was just the fact that it, it feels so much like as these two are melding together, it feels very much like both the performers kind of feel like they're taking bits and pieces from each other as you do see glimpses of like Riseboro in his body and all this other stuff. It, it makes you sort of really question the idea of like who is really in control because both of them, as we see at what we see of Abbott and what we know about Riseboro from being around her more, you get the sense that like, okay, these two are very sort of like near similar to each other. So you constantly worry about like, is dissociation like her being this awkward person inside of the Christopher Abbott character, not quite being able to do the regular social cues or is it Christopher Abbott just being confused as anyone would be if they're just like, wait, what's going on? I just blacked out. And all of a sudden all this horrible stuff has happened around me. I think the movie does a, a pretty great job of showcasing that like as things continue onward um you you really see how much like one person is kind of melding into the other and how maybe they've become one person but also they're so like trying to stick away from each other um it, it feels almost like they're kind of like uh, conjoined twins trying to break away with some of the imagery that we see at certain points it's um i, I think it does a great job of really blending that together so that it makes the audience really question about like who are we following right now and who do i want to actually win in the scenario because uh they're both kind of awful people, but interesting, awful people. Oh, yeah. And um, I just want to briefly mention, and I give it away, the ending, which took me by surprise is a good word. <laughs> Shock. Shocking. It's a shocking ending. Um, and I expect it to end the way it did. But when it did, I go, oh, that makes complete sense. But also, I am also possibly scarred for life. Because, um, <laughs> like, um, you would totally recommend this movie to people, right, Thomas? Or would you add an asterisk? Like, listen. <laughs> anybody doesn't matter hey grandma check out possessor you'll love it you'll love no it. um <laughs> um i would definitely have the asterisk there saying like if you can handle this sort of like some of the extreme violence that happens after this i would recommend it it's just it's this weird trouble of like honestly i was saying for most of the movie even earlier on like the violence is pretty heavy but at the same time, it's like, okay, I think someone kind of deal with, like, the opening kill and some of the stuff that happens along the way. Like, okay, sure. All right, the sex scene, that might be a bit much for people. And then, yeah, by the time we get to the scene we were kind of talking about dancing around, um, it's definitely a thing like, okay, there needs to be a full-on, like, maybe four or five asterisks at the end. Just like, look, yeah. look, this is really messed up. But, but yeah, I think if you can constitute that sort of thing, especially if you're a big fan of sort of, like, more heavier contemplative sci-fi, I would definitely recommend it to anybody who had that kind of interest um, and also with some of like the satirical elements that are going on here, like we haven't talked about her much, but I really love, especially on the second watch, Jason uh, Jennifer Jason Lee's character, oh, yeah, yeah, who plays the boss of Andrea Riseborough, and how much you see subtle hints of like manipulation from especially like a corporate level, and her even saying things like, you know, I thought you were past this moment in your life, you know, the moment of you having a family, <laughs> like your father, <laughs> your son, and your husband, and all that. I thought you were way past that. Um, I, I feel like if you're kind of into like this, especially some of these heavier movies, it can be a bit slow burnish, but anytime you feel maybe slightly bored, you're like, oh, look, here's something extremely upsetting <laughs> and fucked up. Um, I think it's definitely a worthy watch. It is one of my favorite movies of the year, for sure. There you go. Perfect. I think I think we can leave it at that, because I, I recommend it. It's, it's, it's something I would recommend with also an asterisk. Like, if, yeah, just basically just repeating what you're saying, if you can stomach the violence for one and if you can accept that this is not just you know a violent movie for violence sake uh it does have something to say and uh on top of that has great performances 
Um, and yeah, some some great work by Jennifer Jason Lee and uh, Riceboro and Abbott, and also Sean Bean makes an appearance. Uh, I think he's very good in a small role. Um, you know, all that, and and also taking into account that yes, this is you know uh, a, a Brandon Cronenberg film, and he is much much like his father, although he's although he's very you know uh, you know carving his own his his own way in filmmaking. Carving, uh, good word. Yeah, there you Very go. Good word. Um, uh, you know, he he doesn't stray too far from what his father, you know, uh, uh, you know, his father's legacy. So, you know, Apple doesn't far fall from the tree. Yeah, there you go. That's perfect. So, yeah, taking all that into account, watch Possessor. <laughs> uh, it's it's on VOD right now. Um, so they go. Uh, before we go, Thomas, I also want to talk to you about this. Because uh, I'm also picking everybody else's brain about you know what other movies they've seen in 2020 and like what 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 other films they can recommend or what other um, you know what's gotten the, what's gotten you through the year you know uh, you know because 2020 again has been a weird year and it's it's hard for people to uh, uh, you know not being able to go out to see movies not having this like, regular release schedule of like oh that movie's out on Friday I go see that no it's more dispersed it's like hey. Something's on Hulu, something's on Netflix, something's on VOD. Uh, Thomas, talk about some other movies you've seen this past year that were, that, that you've very much enjoyed. Um, well, you mentioned some that were, I guess, will be discussed or have been discussed with like Wolf Walker, Sound and Metal. I would definitely second a lot of the really positive words about that. Those are some of my favorites. Um, I know you also saw uh, Nomadland. Oh, yes. Which isn't really available to a lot of people, but I love that movie as well. Oh. I think McDormand really deserves a lot of credit for that. Um, I'd also sec- say I love all of the uh, Steve McQueen small axe movies, particularly the first three, I would say, um, have been pretty phenomenal um, as sort of like historical um, kind of dramas. I think they, they work really well. Um, the Vast of Night is still one of my favorites from just earlier in the year. That was my number one for a while. And only just now have we gotten like a bunch of great movies that are slightly above it for me. Um, we mentioned Freaky. I would second the double feature element. Make Freaky the second part of your double feature, just as like a palate <laughs> yeah. cleanser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. <laughs> I, I, I I, definitely say. Um, and I'll, I'll just also mention just um, a couple underrated ones, I would say. Uh, the Wolf of Snow Hollow, um, which I, I thought was kind of like, it came out around like late October, kind of slept on. Such a unique kind of take on a horror comedy, especially uh, where the comedy is very black and the horror is... A bit more human than you might think it is. Um, I, I just, I, I really love it. Oh, great, fine performance of Robert Forrester. That would recommend anybody out there see. Um, and then also, Dick Johnson is Dead, which is a Netflix oh, yeah. uh, documentary, um, which bas- the basic premise is a female filmmaker, once they connect with her dad who's aging up and is showing signs of dementia by um, filming a bunch of comical sequences in which he dies in over-the-top ways. Um, and despite that kind of morbid premise, um, it's a beautiful movie. I cried a lot during. <laughs> that's a, that's one that I hope enough people catch up on. I think I kind of slept on when it came out on Netflix earlier. Yeah, no, that's been on my list, Thomas. And, I, and I've been meaning to watch it because I'm in love with uh, the director, uh, Kristen Johnson's um, previous film, Camera Person. Like, I kind of saw that um, sort of out of the blue, I was like, "Oh, I've heard people talking about this. I'll watch it," and I was blown away by like how emotionally powerful camera person is. And I'm sure once I watch uh, her new movie, I'll also be can't wait to cry. Uh, You'll be devastated, raves Thomas Marion. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you for that warning for the asterisks. <laughs> um, so thank you, Thomas. Uh, this has been great. Uh, check out all those movies and Possessor. Uh, before we go, Thomas, uh, plugs. Where can people listening 
find you online. Um, well, we mentioned Double Edge Double Bill earlier. That's my podcast where my co-host Adam Thomas and I uh, cover a double feature that's picked at the end of a previous episode randomly based around a general topic. Um, right around this time, I know we'll be doing our own 2020 wrap-up episode where um, our two movies we'll be covering will be uh, Palm Springs and The New Mutants, which should be very interesting. Um, <laughs> and uh, you can and you can find us uh, at DEDBpod on like Twitter and Facebook uh, for... You know, follow us, and we ask people for like their favorites for whatever uh, favorites and least favorites for whatever topic that we're doing. I'm also at not the who's Tommy on Twitter um, and Instagram and Letterboxd, uh, where you can find like film musings I do all the time. And I also write reviews and do lists and stuff at uh, MarianiThomas.wordpress.com. And uh, also, Double H Double Bill has a Patreon, uh, Patreon.com/slash/gedbpod, where we have bonus podcasts and polls where uh, people who just donate one dollar a month. That's all we ask. I get to vote in polls and stuff and pick topics we do or movies we cover. There you go. Perfect. Do that, folks. Uh, Thomas is a great guy. Thomas, thank you. Uh, and, oh, shucks, thanks. <laughs> uh, and to close things off, uh, I, here's my closing catchphrase. I always say, hey, uh, see you at the movies. No, I never say that. All right. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you at the movies in the balcony. It's closed. Now. Hey, come on. No, nope. Don't go there. <laughs>